Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. From WBEZ Chicago, I'm Greta Johnson, and this is the Nerdette Book Club. It's just like a regular book club, except sometimes the author stops by. It is February, and this month we are reading Gwen E. Kirby's short story collection, Shit Cassandra Saw. This is a glorious amalgamation of all sorts of different stories. The topics span centuries and continents. Yeah, feminism, violence, and bathroom retiling. There are listless teenage girls and furious witches and obnoxious gentrifiers and baseball games and lost luggage stores and lady pirates. This book kind of has everything. Gwen, I am so excited to talk to you. Welcome to Nerdette. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. So I cannot remember the last time I read a book with a swear word in the title. How hard was that to make happen? (laughs) You know, to my surprise, it was not hard at all. Um, (laughs) So I, it was the title that I proposed for the collection to my agent. And I assumed my agent would be like, no, like we're, we're not doing that. Right. And then, you know, I assumed I was like, okay, well, the agent said yes. And then I assumed my editor at Penguin would be like, absolutely not. You know, they're going to change it to like, the Trojan warrior's daughter or like something, you know, <laughs> ridiculous. Um, stuff Cassandra saw. <laughs> stuff Cassandra saw. Yeah, exactly. But no, I was really lucky. Um, Penguin was just really, I think, on board with what the book was. And honestly, I feel like the title, you know, if you really dislike swearing, the rest of the book may also <laughs> not be for you. So... <laughs> That's a very good point. Yeah. So I don't like I kind of hinted at this in the intro, but like, I mean, there's you play so much with topic, but also structure and form in this book. Like Mm -hmm. there's kind of a little of everything in it in addition to the cursing. Um, I think especially of stories like Jerry's Crab Shack One Star, which is like a Yelp review, essentially. And then How to Retail Your Bathroom in Six Easy Steps, which is just like this like gorgeous. I don't even know how to describe it, but I don't know. Like, what would you say is the unifying theme of some of these stories? Oh, wow. Well, I think across the book, perhaps the unifying theme is women, women speaking their truth to a certain extent, but also just really flawed people kind of getting to have their moment in the sun, I hope with a Hmm. lot of compassion um because there are a lot of characters in this book who you know who make sort of bad choices um even even if they're small bad choices i mean like those two stories that you pointed out in jerry's crab shack one star it's this hapless husband who has sort of picked this this terrible restaurant to take his wife on this this date and uh, on the one hand you really sympathize with him throughout the story or i do i'm very fond of him um but on the other hand like he's kind of a screw-up Like, this was not that hard to get right. Um, And the same with that woman just ripping her bathroom to shreds. Like, Mm -hmm. that's not a great idea. Um, But I think we go with her because it, I hope, because it feels like something either we would do or maybe we would want to do. 
Um, and so, yeah, I think maybe the unifying theme is, is, is flawed characters and perhaps also just women who are at the end of their, their tethers. Yes. Yeah. I feel like partly what I loved about this collection is that I feel like there's a certain menace to a lot of these stories. Mm. Um, and like, there's, you know, I think violence, especially violence against women really permeates this collection, but I feel like you do such an amazing job of capturing that tension without like putting readers through trauma. You know what I mean? Thank you. That is something that I, I really, really wanted to do with this book. Um, I, I wanted to tell stories of women who were angry and I wanted to talk openly about the way in which moving through the world as a woman can be scary and the way in which violence, you know, does kind of permeate the world that we live in. But I really just wanted it to, to not maybe trigger those feelings of trauma, but also to feel like a reprieve from that violence. Um, you know, so there's the there's the story, um, a few normal things that happen a lot, which is sort of this litany of of s- small and large acts of, of violence against women, harassing a woman at a bus stop, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Would you be able to read a little bit of that for us, maybe? No, absolutely. Let me, I've got the book right here. A few normal things that happen a lot. A woman walks down the street and a man tells her to smile. When she smiles, she reveals a mouthful of fangs. She bites off the man's hand, cracks the bones, and spits them out, and accidentally swallows his wedding ring, which gives her indigestion. A woman waits for the bus, and a man stands too close to her. He puts his hand on her ass, with no idea that she is the first successful subject of a top-secret science experiment. She turns and points her laser eyes at him and transforms him into bus fare, $2.75 in cool coins. I don't know. I just love it so much because I feel like, you know, as you say, like there's a lot of anger in there, but in such a fun way. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, it It was a very cathartic story to write. Yeah. And it wasn't a story that I necessarily thought was going to be a story. So I, I started writing it on the day of the Brett Kavanaugh hearings, actually. Oh, and I was, yes, exactly. Wow. And I was so angry and I, I did not know what to do with that anger. And so I I just kind of started writing these little vignettes, uh, basically about all the different times that I had been harassed. Like, you know, I've been followed around a grocery store by a man who wouldn't sure. leave me alone. It's not a unique experience. Yeah. Right. But in the mood I was in that day, I was like, but then she ate him, you know, and it just, <laughs> it made me feel, you know, better. Just that tiny little act. And then as I kept writing the story, that was sort of when that feeling of catharsis started to get more complicated, um, which is that how terrible that we have to take joy from imagining hurting someone else. Like, I don't, I don't want that. I don't genuinely want to hurt anyone else, but the feeling that I could walk through the world and I would have the power, that was very exciting and very fun. I mean, there's radioactive cockroaches in it. Like I had a very fun time (laughs) writing that story. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny. It makes me think of a couple other things that I've found really fascinating over the past couple of years. One of them is that Naomi Alderman book, The Power. Did you read that? You know what? I haven't, but people have been like, man, you must have read that book because this short story. So it is on my list. Oh, funny. Well, yeah, I mean, I think you're wrestling with a lot of the questions that she poses in that book, too. So the premise, I'm sure you know, is like women all of a sudden get this power essentially to be able to like electrocute. They have like an electrical surge that goes through anything they touch. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden 
they are physically dominant in a way that they just haven't been throughout human history. And of course, it's like a bloodbath. I mean, <laughs> it's and at first you're sort of like, oh, fuck, yeah, this is great. But it, there is, you know, there is this moment where it's also like, oh, this doesn't this hasn't solved any of the problems. though. Yeah, you know? exactly. It just, it just swapped the board. You know, that's it, really. Yeah. And I mean, the the women at the end of that of my story, it's kind of similar. You know, they haven't really swapped the board, but you know, their mouths hurt from the fangs and the women who've created <laughs> right. the cockroaches are covered in scars because the cockroaches were like plan, you know, Z. They've been working on this a long time mm-hmm. and and they're they're hurt by that. They want to be able to go through the world without their armor, essentially. And that's that's something I think women and also a lot of people can relate to. Yeah, I feel like I can deeply relate to that. The other thing I found myself thinking about for a couple of different reasons is that movie Promising Young Woman, which came out yes. like early last year. Are you, did you see it? Yes. I mean, that one definitely is like has a lot more traumatic elements, I think. But it's I, I don't know. I feel like it's there's still a playfulness to it. And I think even in terms of the palettes, mm-hmm. there's just a similar brightness paired with sinisterness that I find really fascinating. Yeah, I just think it's really interesting to watch kind of different women play with this idea of like, what, yeah, what if we had the power and like, what does violence look like in our hands? And how does that, how does that empower us? But how does that also hurt us? How does that make us part of the thing that we are fighting against? Mm hmm. There's something else about Promising Young Woman, which is that the main character is named Cassie, which is short for Cassandra. Yes. Yes, that's right. Well, I mean, Cassandra, you know, again, I feel like the theme of this conversation is like, I wasn't planning on, but when I wrote (laughs) shit, Cassandra (laughs) saw that she didn't tell the Trojans because at that point, fuck them anyway. Um, Uh (laughs) You know, I was writing a piece of flash fiction. So a very short story, basically a story under a thousand words. I don't see flash in a lot of collections. So it wasn't something that I thought, oh, this is going to be in my book. Um, I was like, serious writers publish collections that have seven stories in them and they're all 10,000 words long, you know. Oh, fuck that. Yes, I I got to that place, (laughs) which I'm very glad I did. But, you know, so I was was working on that story. And really, perhaps the, the, the feeling that it wouldn't be in my book I think really let me play oh, in a cool. way that yeah. was really liberating. Because you didn't have to like take it seriously or something. I was like just that. kind of like, I don't know. I put fuck in the title of the story. I was like, I'm just going to go for this one. <laughs> and I was, you know, and I wrote it and I just thought, wow, like this is a story about a woman who is just speaking the truth and no one is listening. So yeah, tell us about Cassandra. She's a Trojan priestess, right? From Greek mythology. Yeah, so she's from Greek mythology. She's hanging out in Troy while they're being besieged. And she's basically telling everyone in Troy, like, look, this is what's going to happen. These are the things that we need to do to basically like prevent, you know, the sack of of Troy. And her curse is that no one listens to her. No one believes what she says, even though she speaks the truth. And I wrote that story, I think maybe two months after Donald Trump's election. Um, I was in Mm -hmm. my feelings, as they say. And when I was done (laughs) writing it, I thought, oh, like, this is this is the theme of so many of the you know, serious, quote unquote, longer, quote unquote, stories that I am writing for my book, like women who are speaking the truth and are not being listened to. And so I was like, Mm -hmm. this is in a way sort of a, maybe a frame for what I'm doing. Just like, you know, listen to us, hear us. And I got to write about, you know, Jell-O and lots of other wonderful things in that story. And that made me very happy. (laughs) 
<laughs> More with Gwen about shit Cassandra saw in just a minute. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. There are several other stories about uh, real women Mm -hmm. of history or like well-known mythological females. We had like the first woman hanged for witchcraft. Um, There's Mary Reed, the lady pirate who I was obsessed with in like junior high. Um, Nakano Takeko, who's this amazing Japanese warrior. Um, How did you kind of curate those? Well, that at first was a little bit of a random process in that I love history and I listen to a lot of Mm kind of history podcasts and all of those things. And so I'm a bit of a magpie. And so I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about Boudicca. And I was like, oh my God, you know, I gotta gotta write a little bit of something about that. And then I found out that the first woman hanged for witchcraft in Wales was named Gwen, which is my name. So I was like, well, I absolutely have to write about that. Um, <laughs> but then I realized I was being really drawn towards women who were using their bodies, like either to hmm. fight um, in a lot of those cases, or um, in the best and only horror of Simhifrin to, to to have sex. Um, and I really liked, I liked in all of these stories, this way that the women's emotions in the stories was being expressed with their bodies, kind of through through fighting and through fucking. Um, because it <laughs> because it's so not the way that we're portrayed, right? Like when I, I feel like when I learned about women in history, like they were like sewing flags. Or, you know, like they weren't out there fighting and living and sort of like embodying their emotions. Right. The physicality of it is especially exciting. You're right. Yeah, it is. And I and I think, you know, even for my contemporary women, that was something that I was really drawn to. Like in the re- bathroom retiling story, it's a very internal story. Like really very little happens in that story. But I wanted, right? She's just, she's just a knight of a woman retiling a bathroom. But I, But the physicality of like ripping up those tiles and all of the sharp edges. I mean, there there is like a leashed violence in that story, even though it's literally just like a suburban, soon-to-be divorcee <laughs> making a bad choice about redecoration. I wanted her to be phys- like physically embodied in the story. Ugh, I just love that so much. Can you tell us a little bit about Mary Reed, since she's one of my favorites? Well, so Mary Reed um, is just a really cool figure from history. So she was a a, a woman who sort of became a, a pirate, her and Annie Bonny, and they, they dressed as men and they fought in duels and they did all the things that pirates did. One of the things I found really fun or really interesting researching her was how many question marks there were around her life. You know, like... Um, I, like I learned, and it's a little bit in the story, but that basically like her brother died and her, her grandparents, like, we're not going to give her family any money for just a daughter. And so she had to pretend to be her brother and just like all of these sort of Mm -hmm. moments in her life were like playing the boy, if you will, was the only way forward. And 
it's they're not sure whether or not she died in childbirth but i i loved that idea of her of childbirth being the ultimate battle and so i wanted i wanted that to be the ending of my story um but it was just i and i loved her relationship with annie bonnie um you know and we don't know whether or not they were lovers or or what their relationship was but but i just think they were fascinating and i love women like that who just you know they just broke the mold at a time when that must have been so hard yeah Oh my God, I can't fathom. No, I can't either. And I think that's why I love I love writing about them. I, I just feel like there's, at least in that story, I just feel her confidence. Her just step on the prow of a ship, swashbuckling. Yes, swashbuckling. It really is the perfect word for it. Yeah, yeah. But I, and it, it helps me be more confident. I just think like, well, man, if that woman could do that back then... You know, I can probably send this email being like, actually, I would like to assert myself in this professional setting. Like, you know, I feel like, all right, I can I can draw on this. Good for you. Yes. Okay. so can you tell me about the story here preached his last? Well, so uh, that story is just it's about a a woman who is having an affair with um, with a a fellow teacher. um, But basically this rest or this Enlightenment era preacher ghost um, watches her and calls her a whore, which really like does it for her. Um, and I, I really loved, I feel like I really loved writing that story. And that story for me kind of embodies what I enjoy about the weird, um, when I am writing Mm. because it's a serious story. I mean, it's about, uh, motherhood and marriage and, lust and sex and the ways in which I think we as women maybe come into our knowledge of ourselves sexually at times in our life where we are no longer able to kind of make those choices. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it's about all of that, but it's also about this ghost. (laughs) And like that for me is like often my way in, like that sort of like weird, strange, funny element kind of gives me the the joy and the freedom to then also tackle subjects that I find challenging without writing yeah. stories that feel really heavy because that's not really what I enjoy writing and it's not always super what I enjoy reading to be totally honest like when I see a book blurb and it's like this book will leave you devastated and bleeding on the ground I'm like <laughs> oh like I'm good I'm that, actually, actually like having a pretty rough two years so I don't know that I want that I mean I really respect writers who do that Oh my God, a thousand percent. Um, But that's not who I am as a writer. And so little moments like that where it's like a ghost plus, you know, a marriage falling apart and a woman contemplating motherhood is sort of my sweet spot. I love the way you put that because it does. It's like it's almost as if you go in backwards or something, you know? Yes. And it is. There's something like both surprising and exciting about that without making it feel like a slog. You're totally right. Yeah. I think think often of that Emily Dickinson line, which is like, you know, tell all the truth, but tell it slant. And you just kind of come at it from from the side, from whatever weird little thing has brought me joy. I mean, I, you know, I walked by that little preacher's here preached his last stone for a solid year when I lived in New Hampshire and he was huh. kind of my companion and I thought I don't think he would like me. <laughs> and so I so I wanted to put him in a story. So I feel like we can't talk about this book without talking about the cover because mm. it is fascinating. Like are are these eyeballs on fire or is it like confetti? I think it's fire. 
Okay. Yeah. In, cool. in my heart, it's fire. I didn't ask the artist, <laughs> but I assume it's fire. Um, I, I'm obsessed with my cover. I got so, so There's lucky. nothing like it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I literally, I, I was so nervous about my cover because, you know, as a, as a writer and particularly as a debut writer, you have pretty little control over your cover. Do you really? I didn't know that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I like what penguins like, yeah, we super care about your opinion. Like you don't know anything. Do you know how to market a book? No, you don't. And they're not wrong. I actually don't know anything. And you know, particularly if you're a woman writing a book that maybe they think is going to really appeal to women. I was like, oh my God, it's going to have like a pair of shoes on the cover. You know, I just, I was, I was nervous. And I, I can see the shoes. Yes. Right. You know what I'm, you know what I'm talking about. And, you know, I'm no one. So, uh, you know, uh, and so, but they sent me, they were like, okay, like here are these couple Instagram accounts of these artists that we're considering, hmm. you know, who, who appeals to you. And one of them was Lydia Ortiz, who's the, the woman who designed this cover. And I love, I loved her art. It was just, it was energetic. It was full of women, um, uh, full of eyeballs and flames, I will say, um, <laughs> And then they, they sent me the first kind of cover mock-up and they were like, is this okay? And I was like, that is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my whole life and really unique. Like, I just felt like oh my God, I, yes. know, I'd never seen anything like it. Um, yeah. I mean, how do you even describe it? She looks really surprised by what she's seeing and mm -hmm. also like she's about to burn it all down, <laughs> which I really enjoy. And it's not like a lady's face either. Like it's it's disconnected enough from a human face in really interesting ways. You know, like yeah. it's just two eyes and a mouth kind of in front of like what looks like maybe water swirling or something. Yeah, kind of. I mean, the, yeah, the mouth and the eyes are sort of disconnected, but they're on fire. It's very funny. I'm so obviously not a visual person because there was... You know, isn't it funny to try to describe Yeah, that? I know, right? Here I am a writer and I'm like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, but the, I saw this little thing on Instagram. This person like held it in front of their face and then like moved it away to reveal their own face. Like you could wear it yourself mm. and my cover designer was like oh that's exactly what I hoped people would do and I wrote her back and I was like that literally never occurred to me you are clearly the artist here and I am not oh my god that's so amazing when I feel like you just slanted the fuck out of this collection and I'm so glad you did because it's just delightful so thank you for writing it and for talking to me about it thank you so much it was so fun to talk with you today You know the drill. Read shit Cassandra saw, then let us know what you think. You can record yourself on your smartphone and then email the file to nerdatpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to be in the show, do it before Thursday, February 17th. Then tune in the last Tuesday of the month to hear a discussion of the book. In the meantime, if you're looking for a book to read, we've got lots of recs over on our Instagram. That is at nerdatpodcast. The show is produced by me and Anna Bauman. Our executive producer is Brendan Banazak. We will see you on Friday. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.